Welcome to Mary, Queen of Peace Parish, as we celebrate the fifth Sunday of Lent. A special welcome is extended to those who are visiting with us today and to anyone returning home to our parish community. You are always welcome here. Assisting us today, our lectors are Greg Selesnik and Julie Shepard. Our altar server is Paul Kukta. Our cantor and organist is Therese Locke and our celebrant is Father Michael. Let us all now stand, if you are able, for the entrance procession. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly nation. From wicked and deceitful men deliver me. For you are my God and my strength. Oh, send forth your light and your truth. They will guide me on. They will bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Vindicate me, O oh God, and defend my cause against an ungodly nation. From wicked and deceitful men deliver me, for you are my God and my strength. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Welcome everyone this evening. We are now actually in spring and in our fifth Sunday of Lenten journey. This is actually our last Sunday of the Lent, official Sunday. Next week is actually Palm Sunday and the beginning of Holy Week. As we open ourselves and continue to open ourselves to the mercy of God that God has for us, calling us deeper into discipleship in his transforming mercy, we ask that mercy as we begin. prayers together, let us pray. By your help, we beseech you, Lord our God, make us walk eagerly in the same charity with which out of love for the world, your son handed himself over to death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. This weekend's readings are full of life and death. And the call from the tomb, from the Old Testament reading, the Spirit of God that transforms us in Christ Jesus in the second reading. And then again, one more long passage from John's Gospel. This weekend we hear about 
Lazarus called out of the tomb. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them, O my people. I will put my spirit in you that you may live and I will settle you upon your land. Thus you shall know that I am the Lord. I have promised and I will do it, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, 
On the contrary, you are in the Spirit, if only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit dwelling in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day if one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, 
he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death while they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I'm glad for you that, it is, that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him, for Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Some of them said, though, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. 
And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go free. Now many of the Jews who came to Mary and seen what, had done, what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When we are really present to Christ and Christ to us, and when we truly are really and authentically present to each other as community and try to be present to the world, we will inevitably uh, rupture relationships, cause brokenness, fall into sin, <laughs> and hurt one another and make mistakes. It's absolutely inevitable. And, and I don't know about you, but when one of my primary relationships feels ruptured, it practically paralyzes me, you know, where I can't focus, it affects my mind, my heart, my being. I have to focus, force myself to, to focus on something or someone or the person in front of me or, or the task at hand. When I was, um, uh, when I first, when I got my first real job, um, I bought my first car for myself. And my first real job, my first full-time real job, of course, was priesthood, and I was an assistant priest. And so I bought my first car, and with my first car, I also bought a roof bike rack. One of those bike racks that's fixed to your roof where you actually mount your bike in it. You take the front tire off and mount the fork in, and so the bike stands up right? It stands up above the car and above the roof of the car. And so I would put my old mountain bike on top of my roof, and whether it was a time for work or play, I oftentimes had my bike up there and took every opportunity I could to, to hit the trails, you know? If it was in the middle of a work day and I had a couple of hours, always had, had some equipment in my car and could take my bike off my roof and, and hit one of the local trails if I was nearby. And so... Uh, after a couple of years uh, having this car, having this fine bike rack, taking my bike everywhere, I had a real rupture in a primary relationship in my life with one of my best friends as I was going through seminary, a priest friend of mine. And um, again, it just affected my whole being. And after, you know, not speaking with him and him not speaking for me for several days, I was out on an anointing call. I was called to the local hospital. And uh, called to the local hospital, drove to the hospital, pulled into the parking garage. Do you know where the story is going? Pulled into the parking garage with the sound of crunching 
metal, right? The low parking garage, I had not remembered that my bicycle was on my roof, my old mountain bike. And so the mountain bike did not break free of the rack. Actually, the bike holding onto the rack broke free of the roof of my car, had drifted <laughs> down the back off of my trunk, and now was laying behind my car in the entranceway to the parking garage, right? And I, I pulled my car off, I grabbed my bike and the rack connected to each other and dragged it to the side, and I just broke down. And I wasn't crying because of my car, or my bike, or my rack. <laughs> I was crying at the reality of just the brokenness and, and what it did to me and to my friendship and then to my whole being and so many things around me. Because when there's a rupture of primary relationship, it affects almost everything and oftentimes leads to more brokenness, confusion, rupture, right? We've been focusing on real presence. And we've been doing that all during the Lenten season. And again, we at our parish community are focusing on that real presence in twofold fashion, right? We're focusing on the real presence, the presence of Christ, sacramentally present to us here in the Eucharist, bread and wine, body and blood, sacramentally present to us as we hear his word proclaimed and gather together as God's people in community. But not just that real presence that happens here, as significant and as important that is, it must be held and connected to the real presence that we have in our presence to one another within the body of Christ and our call to be Christ's presence in the midst of the world. And when we enter into and experience real presence, inevitably what happens is some brokenness, some hurt. We are far from perfect and we make mistakes with the Lord and with one another. And so when we are open to that authenticity and that realness and entering into that real presence and relationship, we're going to experience the need for mercy and forgiveness in the midst of that brokenness. You know, many of you uh, probably uh, grew up and uh, remember that when we were taught in whether it was Catholic education at school, uh, Catholic school, or whether it was a religious education program, um, that when we came to the Eucharist, if we had serious sin, we should go to confession first, right? Many of you remember that too, right? That, that, by the way, that's still a teaching of the Catholic Church, right? If we have serious sin, we should do something about that seek the forgiveness of the Lord, seek the forgiveness of others or the people that we've hurt before we actually then come to the altar, come to the spirit of, 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 of reconciliation that happens here in the Eucharist because it's really about communion and we shouldn't do that falsely. And so it was encouraged, go to the sacrament of reconciliation uh, before if you have serious sin, if there's a serious rupture of your relationship with the Lord or the community, you should do something about that and address that. And of course, for us, it's the sacrament of reconciliation. Also, of course, by the way, if you don't know, very important, the church teaches that even if we have serious sin, 
and we come here to the celebration of Mass and the Eucharist, if we say sorry to the Lord in a very honest and authentic act of contrition with the intention that we will go to confession as soon as we can, it is okay to receive the Eucharist. Also official church teaching, by the way, right? But again, it's about the need for reconciliation before we enter into the communion of that real presence and the need to celebrate both reconciliation and to more fully experience that presence in our lives here in this Eucharist and with one another's community. So we just heard the long gospel passage from John. This is the third and the culmination of three long passages that we've heard during the cycle A of readings to help us realize what happens to each of us as a disciple, what is happening in the lives of those who are gonna be entering into the church at the celebration of the Easter vigil that's just coming in two weeks. They've been going through the scrutinies, those transforming acts and rites. One of them we experienced here just several weeks back, right? And, and it's about how God's love, mercy, grace transforms individuals and people and us. And so each of these stories, the woman at the well, the man born blind, and now finally Lazarus are about Christ's power over many things that hold us from ourselves, from authentic encounter and relationship with God and with one another. And this is the final, and it's from John's Gospel, and it's about Jesus' victory ultimately over death and sin that leads to death. There'd be many things I could open up or talk about with this long passage from John. I want to mention just two. John is pretty clear in his emphasis that Jesus is not just conquering death at the end of the age or at the end of time or the eschaton or whatever you want to call it or even at the end of our very own life living in this body here. Yes, he is absolutely talking about that. But John is pretty clear to emphasize he's not just talking about death, death. He's also talking about living death. You know what living death is? Living dead, right? And oftentimes includes living in the brokenness and the rupture of sin with God and with others. So he's talking about death, death, and the death that we live in the midst of sin and brokenness. Martha says, yes, I know my brother will rise. He will rise at the resurrection of the dead. Notice Jesus' reply. Yes, Martha's talking about the end of, she's talking about death, death. Yes, that's absolutely true. But Jesus says, do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? Everyone who lives and believes in me will not die, and if they die, they will live forever. And so he's talking about not only the death, death, but also the living death, and that Jesus in his power, in his grace, in his love, in his mercy, transforms both of those. The second thing about John's gospel, this passage about Lazarus, that's really interesting, is the word that happens to Jesus when he experiences Martha and Mary and those that are mourning. The word is he is perturbed, right? He is agitated and angered in some way by this reality. Jesus doesn't want us 
to feel that <coughs> rupture, that brokenness, that sadness that leads to death, both death, death, and living death. He doesn't want us. He's absolutely, he, he's moved to tears himself, it says. He weeps, he's perturbed. And so he doesn't want us to experience that. He wants us to experience grace and life and wants us to move beyond what ruptures us from the real presence we experience within in him and with one another to a new life that his mercy and transformation This week, uh, on Wednesday, we have our communal parish reconciliation service. It's at the Mount, it's at seven o'clock. It is a communal reconciliation service that has the opportunity for traditional in-the-box confession, but then also priests line up in the front and everyone walks forward, confesses some brokenness that they are feeling, some rupture in life that they're feeling with Christ in one another, receives individual penance and absolution from the priest, and then gathers together till everyone's done in a communal act that we, in the midst of authentic relationship and experience of real presence with Christ in one another, know sometimes we need mercy and healing <laughs> in order to feel and experience it more because we're not perfect. If you have not availed yourself recently to the sacrament of reconciliation and want to grow more fully in Christ's presence and in the presence of the community, I encourage it. That communal reconciliation service or sometime during the celebration of the Easter season because Christ just has this overwhelming emotion and desire, hope, weep, sadness, perturbed in the midst of the brokenness we feel and experience and wants us to know his grace, his love, and his healing. And in the midst of real presence, we fall short. <laughs> we sin and hurt one another, which is why we need his presence that we can be more present to him and one another. As God's people, we stand and profess one faith. I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Lord the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all through for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit, and became man for our Savior's crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. 
I confess my baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We know the love and the mercy of God is poured upon us and upon all, so we bring these needs and prayers of petition as church with our sung response. And the song response is 666 in the hymnal, 666. suffering around the world, especially in Ukraine, Turkey, and Syria, that they may find hope and healing. We pray. list in the bulletin, that their pain and suffering be eased by our prayers. We pray. forth as we conclude this Women's History Month that all women be honored and respected in their full dignity in the concrete systems of life, workplace, church, and world. We pray. who have died in our parish community, 
may they be welcomed into God's kingdom. We also pray for Rosa Garofalo and all the intentions present on the altar, along with those we hold in the silence of our hearts. We pray. Calling on the loving intercession of our patron and mother, we together pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace, pray for us. is Hosea, number Pray, sisters and brothers, my sacrifice and yours will be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. For the praise and glory of His name, for our good and good of all its holy church. Hear, Almighty God, our prayers, and having instilled in your servants the teachings of the Christian faith, graciously purify them by the working of this sacrifice through Christ our Lord. 
the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as true man, he wept for Lazarus, his friend, and as eternal God, he raised him from the tomb. Just as taking pity on the human race, he leads us by these sacred mysteries to newness of life. Through him, the host of angels and saints adore your majesty and rejoice in your presence forever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of praise as we acclaim. Indeed, holy, O Lord, the font of all holiness, make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed, he entered willingly into his passion. He took bread, said the blessing, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, once more giving thanks, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. Therefore, we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, and we offer you, Lord, the bread of life, the chalice of salvation, giving thanks you've held us worthy to be in your presence and to minister to you. Humbly, we pray, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church, which is spread throughout the world. Bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, David, our Bishop, all the clergy, 
all who serve and lead your people. Remember also all of our sisters and brothers who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. And have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Saint Joseph, her blessed spouse, the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we too may be co-heirs to eternal life to praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Trusting the presence and communion with and in God as Father at the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to pray. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from all evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be free from sin, safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope, the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, you said to your apostles and to us, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sin, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. We share with one another a sign of Christ's peace. The resurrection and the life, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. 
Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. An act of spiritual communion. Lord Jesus, through baptism, we are one in you and in each other. We believe you are present in the Blessed Sacrament, the Word, and the Christian community. We believe that the power of your love has no limits. For those who cannot physically be here with us, we humbly ask you, through the power of your most Holy Spirit, that in this act of sacred communion, we are all made stronger in our love for you and for one another. Wherever we are, we are your church, yearning through your grace to be witnesses of your kingdom in our thoughts, words, and deeds. Amen. Our communion hymn is, I am the bread of life, number 945, I am the bread of life.
Let us together stand and let us pray. We pray, Almighty God, that we would always be counted among the members of Christ in whose body and blood we have communion, for he lives and reigns forever and ever. I was running up and down the back steps, so I didn't hear the opening announcements, but I'm pretty sure it was announced. This is the last week for the survey, the Disciple Maker Index, and we've had almost 45% participation, so we've been, we've been doing really well. Um, but this is the last week, so if you haven't filled it out, please highly encourage you. That'll really help us inform uh, decisions that will happen in areas of sharing our faith and evangelization for our future with Next Generation Parish. Please fill it out if you haven't. The Lord be with you. May the blessings of Almighty God be upon you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mass is ended. Go forth in peace, glorifying the Lord by your lives. Thanks be to God. Our closing hymn is The Glory of These Forty Days, number 481. The Glory of These Forty Days. 481, 481.